Everyone, welcome to Analytical Fanboys. I am your host, the modular king of the content ring, the Vacuuminator, and I am also joined by the sold-out Boingo Rider. Hello. I was honestly half expecting you to play the NWO theme out of your phone. No, hello. <laughs> Uh, I go in now. I go in. Hello. Yes, you go. You go in now. You go in now. You go into a podcast now, and you are shortly followed by the coolest toy collector in the Sunshine State. Snowcone eighty three is here. What's up, Cody? It's hot as a bitch in Florida. Oh shit! It's oh. actually been pretty cool here because we've gotten rainstorms, but they've not been making it very humid. Mm. They yeah, we've gotten rainstorms in uh... computer, but I'll talk about that more later. So it's annoying. That's the reason there wasn't a podcast last week, by the way, folks, because we probably could have gone ahead if it was just me and Chris or just me and Cody, but uh yeah, Lightning had other plans for me, apparently. Um and we're not gonna. We're also not gonna do a this weekend modular segment because none of us have really put out anything creatively speaking this week. And I'm honestly thinking of kind of nixing that segment because weekly vibes can also work as that if we want to t- just talk about what we've been doing creatively. It's weird. I'm kind of thinking about things in a new way. And again, I'll be talking about that more later. But right now, what we're going to talk about is a movie from 2004 starring Tom Hanks called The Terminal. This is something I put on the list because um, I hadn't seen it in a few years, admittedly. But it was uh, a movie I really liked and thought was highly underrated. Um, The basic plot is that a man from a uh, European country arrives at the JFK airport in New York, and he's planning to just go for a quick stay to take care of some important business that we don't discover what it is until later on in the movie. And then a huge fucking uh, war erupts in his country, and he's technically not a citizen of anywhere, so he can't leave the airport terminal he's in. And uh, hijinks ensue but uh, this was of course not my first time watching the movie uh so we'll get more into my thoughts as we go along but uh let's do round table uh chris had you seen this movie before and uh what'd you think of it this time i have seen this before it's been a while i thought it was pretty good nice uh how about you cody no i had never seen it before mm. and i did enjoy it but it's a back and forth and i'll get into that later yeah i think probably my experience with this movie this time can be summed up as i still like this i still enjoy it for what it is but also it's clearly made as a product of a very different time and you have to kind of go into it with that mindset because this movie is ex- is both extremely sensitive and extremely insensitive to the plight of the fucking what, what what's the correct term for what he is in this country in this movie? Uh, honestly, he's a refugee. Yeah, it's it's very well, sensitive and very insensitive to the plight of the refugee. Yeah, I mean he's not m- meaning to be a refugee, um, but it's what he's based off of. That's my problems come from. Uh, well. 
Is he? You mean he's based off of an exact person or a concept or something? The entire movie is based off of. Uh, is it Mirhan Karimi Nasiri? I'm probably mispronouncing that right. Um, but see, like that was like the whole thing, and I'm trying to because I, I I forgot. Remember how like whenever this was announced, I was like, "Yo, that's crazy!" I was just watching something about this. Um. Because, like, whenever you said it was the terminal, I was like, oh, I was just watching something about the actual guy. Oh, I didn't know this was based off of an actual guy. Yeah, see, that's the thing. A man actually did live in a terminal. Um, okay. And so, yeah, okay, so, yeah. His autobiography was published as a book, The Terminal Man. In 2004, his story was the inspiration for the 2004 Steven Spielberg film, The Terminal. Um, but yeah, so he, what was it? I'm trying to find it. So uh, I, get, I have totally experienced this movie in a vacuum then. Yeah, no, and see, like, that's the thing. I like the movie. It's it's a nice movie. It's a ni- nice, quaint, fun movie. It's definitely like if you wanted to watch what a movie was from two thousand four, like that's the movie. It's not not a bad thing. It's good, but the thing is, like, it's definitely like comedic, and like, yeah, that guy. Yeah, um, that's the actual. I just posted a picture in our Discord chat of the actual guy in front of a poster for the movie. Um, and the other differences would be like it was actually a a, a airport. Um. It was Charles de Gaulle Airport uh, from 26th August 1988 until July 2006. Jesus. When he was hospitalized. No? Was that Chris saying no? No, I didn't say anything. I I just said, like, was he... He was stuck in the airport... While the movie was being made? Huh. Yeah, he was. What the fuck, dude? So, like, that's, like, the other thing. That's, like, one of the main things is, like, as soon as this movie started, I knew it was going to have a happy ending. And I'm like, man, I know who didn't get a happy ending. Because... Let me see if I can find a, a quick version of all this. This was the other thing. I didn't have time to do it uh, today. I completely forgot. Because um, I wanted to like watch the entire movie and then also find out everything about him. Because um, essentially, I had just watched that video of the other thing. But like, yeah, so. God, I mean, there's a bunch of shit here, but. I love how I always go into a podcast now thinking like it's going to go one way. It's going to be kind of an interesting discussion. And then Cody fucking drops a bomb on us at some point. (laughs) (laughs) It just so happened that this time it was right away. (laughs) Well, I'm sorry because like that that was the thing is like if we want to talk like we could talk about this movie as a movie and I I like it. There's so much stuff I like about this movie. I love it. Yeah, yeah. We will will do that. But I want to hear the conclusion of this shit. But see, that's the thing. Like, obviously, like the he's from a uh, made-up country. No, but this guy is actually a, an Ara- Ar- Iranian. Um, I don't think he was a refugee. So yeah, no, he. 
arrived in the United Kingdom in September 1973 to take three-year course in Yugoslav studies at the University of Bradford. So, I guess I'll, yeah, life in Terminal 1. Nasari alleges to have been expelled from Iran in 1977 for protest against the Saha, which is Mohammed. Oh man, that's that. This is real life stuff, by the way, folks. That I'm yeah. gonna mispronounce everything of. Um, after a long battle involving applications in several countries, was awarded refugee status by the United Nations High Commissioner for Refugees in Belgium. This allegedly permitted residents in many other European countries. However, this claim has been disputed with investigations showing that Nasseri was never expelled from Iran. So yeah, that's, that's the other thing. Um, is So not only is this real, it's based off of real stuff, but there is like some conspiracy going on within this real thing that happened. So, um, so like most things, it's... Uh, Hollywood filmmakers took a look at a news story and went, huh, that's fucking weird. Bet you we can make a pretty good story out of it using our formula. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what they did. And that's why I, mean, I was just kind of like... Mm, Hollywood's been me. doing that for years with like uh, Amityville Horror, yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, mm-hmm. uh, Got Mail, another Tom Hanks vehicle. Okay. Having I, one so much. I think so. No, that's not the right movie. I don't know. There's one of them. There's another Tom Hanks movie. I'm Maybe just going to cast away. Okay. I'm going to well, try to blast through this. Um, there's not much left here unless you don't want me to. No, no, go ahead. Having one British parent, he decided to settle in the UK in 1986. But en route there in 1988, his papers were lost when his briefcase which was allegedly stolen. Others indicate that Nasir actually mailed his documents to Brussels while on board a ferry to Britain, lying about them being stolen. Despite the setback, he boarded the plane for London, but was promptly returned to France when he failed to present a passport to British immigration officials. He was initially arrested by the French, but then released to his entry to the airport, or but then released as his entry to the airport was legal and he had no country of origin to be returned to. Thus began his residency at Terminal 1. His hmm. case was later taken on by French human rights lawyer Christian Bourget. In 1992, a French court ruled that having entered the country legally, he could not be expelled from the airport, but it could not grant him permission to enter France. Attempts were then made to have new documents issued from Belgium, but the authorities there would only do so if Nasiri presented himself in person. In 1995, the Belgian authorities granted permission for him to travel to Belgium, but only if he agreed to live there under supervision of a social worker. Nasiri refused this on grounds of wanting to enter the UK as originally intended. Both France and Bel or both France and Belgium offered Nasiri residency, but Nasiri refused to sign papers as they listed him as being Iranian. He wanted to be British and did not show his preferred name, Sir Alfred Merham. His refusal to sign documents was much to the frustration of his lawyer, Bourguet. When contacted about Nasiri's situation, his family stated that they believed he was living the life he wanted. Um, in 2003, Spielberg's DreamWorks production company paid U.S. $250,000 to Nasiri for the rights to his story, but ultimately did not use his story in the subsequent film, The Terminal. So, really, it's it's very loosely related to him, then. 
it, it sounds like the, the, the screenwriters and Spielberg went, we like the concept of a man being trapped in this limbo, but we don't like the man. Can we change that? And I mean, oh. in Hollywood, you pay enough money, you can change anything about a story. So, Nasiri's stay at the airport ended in 2006 when he was hospitalized and his sitting place dismantled. Towards the end of January 2007, he left the hospital and was looked after by the airport's branch of the French Red Cross. He was lodged for a few weeks in a hotel close to the airport. On the 6th of March 2007, he was transferred to an Emmaus Charity Reception Center in Paris's 20th, that's a word I will never be able to say, since 2008, he has continued to live in in a Paris shelter. Okay. He, he lives in a shelter. Mm. All right. Well, uh, big F there, but um, I think we need to we're, – we're 10 minutes in, 13 minutes now. We're 13 minutes in, so I think we need to get on to actually talking about some aspects of this movie. Like um, the fact that they changed an Iranian man into an Eastern Bloc, Eastern European dude. Yeah, and he's Bulgarian too, which is, which is something the, I – He's a made-up country. He's from a made-up country, and he speaks Bulgarian. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, that's something I immediately picked up on, because I remember in the last episode, I said he was from a Middle Eastern country, and then, like, they said Bulgaria at one point, and I was like, what the fuck, this motherfucker is Rusev? He, he's from a fictional country of Krakosia. Yeah, and that's, uh, that's, that's, again, a very Hollywood thing about this movie is that instead of basing it in an actual real country because they don't want to offend anyone, they want that the movie to be able to play in any country, they just made up a country. So, you know, they might as well have said he was from fucking... Latveria. Yeah. I was going to say the DC made up country, but I forgot it. Um, And... Uh, Honestly, I think this is a really underrated Tom Hanks performance. Like, yeah, it gets kind of stereotypical at points, and maybe some of the comedy is a touch insensitive looking back. But, like, this is clearly one of those roles where, even though this didn't end up being a big memorable thing, he put his all into it. Like, he kind of disappears into this character at points. Except for when he says taxi at the end of the film. Yeah. (laughs) Come on, no, Uh, he's been practicing. He just wants to say taxi like an American. Yeah. He's like, look, I practiced Krakrosia for how many fucking months? Just let me say taxi in my own accent. And Steven Spielberg was like, okay, yeah, fine. Sure, Tom. But no, like, the feeling that this movie invoked in me... um was something similar to like home alone or like um what's the movie god i love that movie so much it's with uh arnold schwarzenegger is it jingle, jingle, all, the way? jingle all the way yeah it is okay i mean so, i was gonna say like this kind of has like that nostalgic comfortable feeling for me yeah this feels like a movie i would sit down and watch with my parents on like a a sunday afternoon where nobody's doing anything and they just they they're in that we want to have a family time kind of mood that parents get into sometimes it's very much a family friendly movie that's not catered to kids it's the family friendly movie you get your teenagers to watch with you yeah Yeah. 
Like, there's there's a discussion about a pair of panties in this movie, but at the end of the day, you can kind of gloss over that. Yeah, like, it's it's a great um, trip, I think. Also, it's two hours long, and it didn't really feel like it. So yeah, that's another thing. Yeah. That was that was weird. I think the I think the way it helps in that pacing is it's more like vignettes of his life instead of just like a whole big arc. Because yeah. you can take bits of it out and it's like a single scene that's essentially a realistic adult comedy version of like a Looney Tune sketch. There's a lot of montages and a lot of subplots. I mean one of the things I really picked up on, because I thought there was more to it until I wa- went back and watched it for this podcast, but this has a more rushed romance subplot than a Disney princess movie. Mm. What do you mean, dude? They don't meet and then they're married? I mean, like, I genuinely thought it was cute, but then I thought about it for five seconds and I'm like, that's not how that would go. She no, would, not, really she would not have put on the ring. She would have been like, stop taking advantage of this guy, leave me the fuck alone, or I'm reporting you to HR. What's also yeah, weird is, like, like... No, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, you could find three different Disney properties in this uh, movie because Tom Hanks, uh, mm-hmm. that's... Uh, the no. security chick is, like, Zo- Zo- Zoe... Saldana. Zoe Saldana. This is a pre-Star yeah. Trek 09 Zoe Saldana, and she's playing a Trekkie. Yeah, and then you have um, is it Pedro Pascal? Is that his name? I'm not sure. But you know the guy that she marries. He's, oh um, no, that's uh, Diego Luna, and he's uh, what's his fucking name? Cassie and Andor from Rogue yeah, One. Cassie and Andor. Pedro Crossover of the century. <laughs> Yeah, literally, it's regular Disney, Marvel, and Star Wars, but apparently not, also Star Trek. I forgot she was in Star Trek, by the way. Not to mention, uh, Zoe Saldana is Gamora, so hey, Chris, this is technically part of the Marvel multiverse. Yeah, technically it is, in some <laughs> weird, dumb way. <laughs> uh, that's, a, that's a reference to a thing we haven't done yet, but um, yeah, I... <sighs> I don't know where to sit on that subplot because that's one of those elements in this movie where it's like we could go on about how it's problematic till the cows come home. But realistically, that's us looking at it. There's no almost almost two decades on. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I think I think that romance subplot is more for function because Steven Spielberg knew at the end of this movie, the guy and the girl don't get together. Let's give them a happy ending in that regard. Mm-hmm. So they're not left going like, well, that was a little depressing. Yeah, it was. It, I mean, it seems like, like it was pure function. And I mean, like, I actually do enjoy that Tom Hanks and Catherine Zeta Jones don't get together at the end of the movie. It felt, it felt. I like the bittersweetness of it as opposed to the pure f- fantasy indulgence that it could have been. It's, and that felt very modern. Yeah, good, but very modern. I did like that as well. Uh, I mean, you could you could loosely say it was ahead of its time because that's not a thing that's done super often in movies during the time this was made. But now it's you see it every once in a while. Now it's almost more of like a classic movie thing. Like it feels almost kind of like a a, a noir uh, plot element. 
Yeah. yeah, but like the whole movie is framed. It frames it as if this is oh, this is the meet cute rom com, got mail, uh, sleepless in Seattle kind of Tom Hanks vehicle that he was semi known for at the time. Mm-hmm. And then it's uh, what's the magical word? It subverts your expectations. Um, That's why this movie is not popular. A bunch of Star Wars fans uh, fucking hate it. <laughs> I mean, Zoe Saldana is in it. Uh, we're going to keep going back to that. I can feel it. <laughs> um, so uh, I guess continuing on on the sort of side character vignette, uh, Fred, how did you guys feel about Gupta? His conspiratorial nature really does not work today. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, he gets some hilarious lines, but overall, it's uh, it's a bit weird. I will say, this has nothing to do with any of the subplot characters. Well, except for him being... So yeah, okay, it does. Um, That specific character being kind of conspiracy theory-ish. Um, what's wild to me is that this is a movie based in an airport terminal. In 2004, and we saw stuff, we saw media avoiding anything with, like, planes for the most part, and anything with, like, refugees or, like, uh, buildings because of 9-11 for a long time. Yeah. Like, Grand Theft Auto took out the ability to fly planes in 2007 or 2008 whenever the game came out because it was set in new york um so like i i that was just something i was kind of surprised while watching and i was thinking about that i was like yo this movie really did come out in 2004 and like it is set like this and you know I maybe there's a ton of discussion about airport security and immigration in this movie yeah i know but like it just didn't seem as like overwhelming as i would expect you know i guess i don't know um go ahead uh no they kind of i don't think they wanted to play with it it feels honestly it feels like a movie from 1999 yeah no it does it would have been really bad though if he would have been iranian um well that's obviously why they changed it as 9-11 yeah they probably because, like, as horrible as it is, nobody in America would have wanted to root for him if he was Iranian at the time. Um, and that that does make me feel a little bit better, too, knowing, realizing that he's, um, because I was still kind of seeing it as, like, oh, he's from a made-up country, but it's still supposed to be kind of like a Middle Eastern place and not like a European place, because I wasn't picking up on the language. Um... But it's it's good to know that they did not whitewash that. Yeah, no, uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia, and uh, yeah, they, he's he's British. Like the original guy is British and Iranian. But it, 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 he's from an Eastern European country, probably from like a former USSR country. You know, it kind of gives that feeling of like. Post USSR Yugoslavia, for example. Yeah. It's um interesting. 
Also, um, go ahead. Continue. Um, I'll say like the area he picks out for himself, and you know, I like the contracting thing. That's neat. I don't know if that's uh, also stereotypical or not. Hopefully, it's I don't not. think it was stereotypical as much as it was like weirdly unrealistic. Like you almost had to uh, needed to have established that he was a construction worker in his home country because he just takes to that shit like a fish to water. I don't know necessarily about that. I mean, like he's from a country that's like set back a little bit, you know, like he older fashioned than modern world. That's true. Um, so, like, I mean. I don't know. Like, I just, it's like more country in mm. our respect. It's, it's like people who are like from those areas tend to like know more about manual labor than like anybody over here does, unless you're living out in the sticks. That is fair. So like for me, I was just like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, obviously he's like really, really good at it, but like it was neat. Um, but yeah, the area he picks out for himself, um, versus like the area that the real guy lived in, he for real just like had like a little area at the end of a hallway, which meant he like slept in view of people and stuff, hmm. which is kind of uncomfortable to think about. Yeah. And I mean, like it, well, it, 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 this is, it's a very, it's a very cleaned up version of the story. Which is oh, which yeah, is almost sure. what you expect from a Tom Hanks, Steven Spielberg project. Yeah, I mean this is kind of like a this is kind of like a perfect Hollywood stew of how to sterilize and make a story palatable for the common man. Yeah, I like how the bad guy doesn't end up being bad at the end too. That's yeah, that, that's something we haven't touched on. Stanley Tucci is fucking great in this movie, dude. Yeah. I don't know why, but my immediate thought when looking at him was just like, why is Jeffrey Kattenberg in this movie? <laughs> Isn't he just a producer? Yeah. Because <laughs> he just looks like Jeffrey Katzenberg. But I mean, that's Stanley Tucci in most things. He's just, he just has that look about him. And like, he does such a good job of playing like the stereotypical asshole um for a lot of this movie um but there's also all those little touches that make you understand like this is just a guy who's trying to get somewhere in his career and he's annoyed that this one obstacle is in his way like wouldn't you be pissed if you were at your job and then suddenly a fucking annoying customer was fucking up your whole not just your whole day but like your whole month consistently whole nine months and even then he tries to get like he tries to get the him off of his plate onto like another person's plate, but he can't just be a dick about it. He is following the rules. He's not gonna be an asshole. Just fucking walk out the door. He he's very much like, could you please just, could you please just do this for me? I don't want to fucking deal with this. See, like, I don't know if I'm inclined to agree with that directly because if I wanted to look at that with a more uh, sharpened sense. He was literally trying to get him arrested and deported. Oh yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. He's trying to get him off his plate. It's a shitty plate he's getting him off onto, but he's not like pushing him out the door and saying, alright, fucker. He's trying to find like the, the not the path of least resistance, but like 
the thing that's going to be the least painful for both of them. And, and that's kind of why also why I described their relationship as like Looney Tunes earlier. That character oh, yeah. is very much like a wily e. coyote going through all these harebrained schemes to try and get this guy out out of the terminal. But Tom Hanks's character goes like, "No, I came here to do a thing. I'm gonna do that thing, and then I'll leave." And that's kind of it's a very adult, non-slapsticky version of like a Looney Tunes relationship. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that even kind of they kind of hit the nail on the head with that in the scene where the he he comes to him, he's in detention. And he needs his help with that one guy who's being a pain in the ass. Um, and, like, he walks into the detention room and he's like, Victor, where the hell are you? And then Victor just sticks his head out of a stall, out of, like, a bathroom stall and blats like a goat. Like, that's a that's a really ridiculous Looney Tunes-esque punchline for this kind of serious adult drama slash romance about a guy trapped in an airport. I mean, there's a lot of those little moments. Like he's trying to apply for jobs, mm-hmm. and he and he applies to the Discovery Store, and he's waiting at the phone the whole day. He right outside of the store, <laughs> and they call and goes like, "Sorry, we can't give you the job." All right, can I go pee? Yes. Yeah, like I definitely like the character. Like it's, I mean, that's just Tom Hanks, honestly. Like his acting. Um, but. Oh, well, you know what? You know, oh, God. No, that's not important to bring up, hopefully. Um, the, the the character is nice. It's also interesting to see a movie that's what I wish I could say not that old, but is almost 20 years old. Um, <laughs> Big oof. Big oof. It's 16 years old. <laughs> it is old enough to drive. there's a big ass rumor right now conspiracy Epstein is shit going on where like Tom Hanks left the country because maybe he's on that list I said that that. that's true but also because I've been looking into that shit too if you look at Epstein and Maxwell a little closer you see that they like basically photobombed as many celebrities and other billionaires as possible so that they could be like if I go down you go down with me motherfucker so, like, until there's actual charges brought against somebody, I kind of distrust any implications. I'll say maybe, but also I could al- I could also say maybe there's just that many people who are corrupt. But, you know, who knows? Um, and there's also... Hear that, uh, this is completely off topic, but did you hear that Maxwell has, like, the highest karma count of anyone on Twitter, on Reddit? No. Yeah, like, she was the first person to get a million karma. She apparently may have owned Reddit briefly for, like, a couple months in 2017. It's it's really crazy. Like, she's apparently, like, the secret queen bitch of that website, or was for a time. Weird. Yeah. Anyways. Um... Fucking Stanley Tucci, dude! What a character! <laughs> anyway, no, like uh, all the product placement is interesting because I'm like, some of these places don't exist anymore. It's it's <laughs> it's really wonderful to go back and watch movies like this where they're just like, 
we need to get this movie made. It's kind of a simple story. What do we do? We set it in an airport. There's just fucking stores everywhere. Dude, when he paid 75 cent for a burger at Burger King, I was like, I'm out of it. You lost No, no, no. He paid 74 cent. He got a penny back in change. Oh, right, dude. What the? That was pre-dollar menu, dude. That was pre-dollar <laughs> menu. Pulled me right out of it. I'm like, nope. I was a child. I didn't pay for food at this time. I don't believe this. It's it fake. was also it was also hilarious to me just because like that puts it in perspective how fucking desperate his situation is that he's like devouring Burger King, the worst fast food. Ha <laughs> <laughs> well, ha. We're getting fucking know, right? we're getting fucking takes today. Okay. Ah. <laughs> uh... Bro, you know how many times I have gone to Burger King with no money just to get some food. Legit, I will not. I will not like get mad at anybody for liking Burger King, but it is literal garbage to me, and I will not eat it. I kind of feel that way about McDonald's. Um, there's specific things I like from each store. I don't usually like everything they have. I have paid for 100 chicken nuggets from Burger King though, and Chris was present for that. Whoa! Yes. I think I was part of that. Yeah, because that's, that's a lot of chicken nuggets, by the way. Yeah, no, I think I was no. It might I may have done it with you, but I may I know I did it with a couple other uh, technical theater students because I mean, we split it amongst four people. You might have done it again. I think I, I can't remember if you said you did. Well, no, because like I remember like Max being there. If that person's name was Shannon. Dude, what the fuck? This is a John Williams score. Dude, it's Steven Spielberg. Well, who else do you fucking think he'd get? I know, but the music in it is like. Not unremarkable, but it's not—it's not like normal John Williams, where every almost every track is kind of iconic. He was catching—he was cashing a check. That's the fair. funny thing, the thing I find kind of funny is like looking at Steven Spielberg's filmography. The two movies guess the guess the two movies right before and the two movies right after that Steven Spielberg did the, uh, with the Terminal. I'm sure they were big names, but I couldn't name them. I have no idea. The two movies before were Minority Report and Catch Me If You Can. Bro. And the movie right after Terminal. Remember, the naive movie about security and police and it's kind of like, huh, fun, lighthearted, was War of the Worlds. Dude, sick, bro. Then Munich, then Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> oh, it's like uh, this is kind of uh, him starting to go on the way down. Uh, Ten Ten, Warhorse, Lincoln. I, like I haven't Kingdom seen Warhorse or Lincoln, but Ten Ten was all right. Bridge of Spies, the BFG, uh, the Post. I was like, whoa, they made a Doom movie. <laughs> <laughs> Ready Player one. one and he's doing West Side Story yeah. hopefully West Side Story will be good I would really like for him to make that and make it good because that's like apparently one of his favorite movies the original it's also one of uh, uh... Michael Bay's favorite movies yeah <laughs> did you not know that Cody my presence <laughs> <laughs> Michael Bay fucking loves West Side Story. He did a whole commentary track for it on one of the Blu-rays. 
man, I just if there's I I will forever hate that man. And we can, uh, I cannot let myself devolve into that right now, but I I do hate him a lot. Should we put should we put bad boys on the list? Don't make don't make me watch fucking Michael Bay movies, dude. I mean, <laughs> Tony, how many studio series figures do you have? Um, zero. Whoa. Okay, I thought I had heard you talk about a couple of them. Yeah, I'm interested, but I haven't been pushed far enough. That's fair. I have so much other stuff that's good to buy. And I mean, at this point, that line's almost done. So, probably you're probably not going in on that. Yeah, the only movie figure I own is a uh, Mech Tech Bumblebee that my mom bought me, and I just I just keep it because like (laughs) it's a dog shit toy, but I love it because it was like a parent being some parenty stuff to me, and I'm like holding on to whatever I have. But anyway, fucking sick, bro. Anyways. Um, do we have anything else to talk about with this movie? Um, I don't really think so. Um, I think it's 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 a nice movie. I would watch it again. You know, it's it's a nice. I, I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to analyze a movie while I'm watching it and think of themes. I want to see some fun, lighthearted character interaction. Mm-hmm. It's like I said it's like I said at the uh the start. It's kind of a nice just Sunday afternoon relax with the fam kind of a flick. And you know, as much as we love to deep dive into shit on this show and in our lives in general, stuff like that does still need to exist. You still need things like that every once in a while. Yes. That's my justification for having put on the list. I've gotten that out of the way. Uh, Chris, can you even remember last week's Dynamite? I remember bits of it, yes. Okay, because I I hardly remember it. Because, again, been two weeks since we last recorded. And this week's Dynamite has actually uh, finished airing as we're recording. Because weird Saturday night preempts. Uh, also, do you not want to do what we're doing next week? Oh, I completely forgot. We need to do that first. Sometimes I think we're still doing that at the end of the show. I'm sorry. Yeah, let's go ahead and uh, spin the wheel, gentlemen. I did slap something on there just now. Oh boy! <laughs> so let's it is spinning. Let me let me see what it is. I'm sure it'll make both of y'all mad. But I want to watch it again. Hang on, let me. Well, it depends on if you mean the book or the movie. I mean the and movie. do not, do not tell me until it gets picked. Well, I just. All right, I'm spinning the wheel with that added now, because I want it to be proper. <laughs> no money, big whammy. Hey, we're doing a, another movie next week. Another suggestion by me. We're going to be talking about everybody's favorite Star Trek parody, Lower Decks. I'm just kidding. It's Galaxy Quest. Is that with uh, Tim the Toolman Taylor? Yes. Yeah. Fucking love that movie. Hell yeah. It's so good, bro. I can't wait. Oh, That's my just, God. Do we all like that movie significantly? 
I I I I'm a fan of the movie. I like it. I think it's impossible to dislike that movie, even as like the most jaded hardcore Star Trek fan. So I think that should be a pretty fun discussion. But uh, yeah, so I gotta tr- I gotta segue back into it. Uh, Chris Dynamite, what happened last week? Remind me. Okay, first things first. It was Tag Team Appreciation Night. Oh yes, yes. I'm okay. I'm things are flowing back now. Uh, so we had a couple big tag team matches. They were cool. Um, we also have uh, fucking Jurassic uh, Express getting a title shot and Luchasaurus shouting out his mom. His, yeah, it's been sixty-five million years, and finally, a dinosaur's getting a title shot. You'll love to see it. Yep. Uh, that's cool. I also like how they're playing uh, with face and heel with having Marco just be a total shit. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, FTR fucking yeah. fully go like, yeah, no, fuck you. You're supposed to hate us by attacking uh, Rock and Roll Express. Yeah. In probably one of the best promo segments I've seen on Dynamite in a while, and that's coming from the biggest Cody stan. Um, I yeah yeah hi Cody um <laughs> I I could not believe it when Tolly just ripped into Arn and everybody else for being glad handing asshats the whole night he's just like are you fucking kidding me none of you have won the titles nobody fucking cares about us because we haven't wrestled in this company before I'm still pissed at you for screwing over Sean in his match this is fucking stupid I'm out of here. It was great. It's top notch. Great, great mic work. Great heel work. And it real and it immediately puts Sean Spears back into your radar. It's like, oh shit, right? Yeah. And I love that immediately after the segment aired, Dax fucking tweeted the night the music died. <laughs> oh god, fuck it. Yeah. Uh, also, I really am loving Jake the Snake's uh, and. Um, uh, Lance Archer's relationship of like Jake the Snake is trying to hype up Lance Archer and Lance Archer's just wrecking shit behind him. And then Lance Archer goes like, All right, we need to do the thing. Do we have to do the thing, Lance? Yes. He rips open Jake the Snake's shirt. A 60-year-old flabby man body comes out. He spins him around, lifts up the shirt, and on the back of Jake the Snake, it says, everybody dies. It's like, why? It's great. I love that people are like, oh, that makes no sense. What did he do? Write it on his back and then have him put a shit? Yeah, that's exactly what he did. It's pro wrestling. It's fucking goofy and stupid. And also, Jake the Snake is clearly in over his head with Lance Archer. It has been that way since Lance didn't win the TNT title. If you don't get that at this point, you're fucking blind. It, 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 it's very much, it's very much Lance looking at Jake and says, "All right, what do you want to do, boss? Well, you go do this and this and this, and uh, I'll stand right here. All right, I'll go do that." Oh God, what am I doing? Fuck me. That's yeah. Jake's next character right now. Uh, and he's trying his best. Cody, his fucking match against Scorpio Sky for the TNT title. Holy shit, dude. It was good. It was solid. I always forget I'm a Scorpio Sky fan until Scorpio Sky fucking does something on Dynamite. It's like, 
oh yeah, this guy is amazing. Look at him literally kicking down the door and fucking saying, like, yeah, give me a title shot. I'm awesome. And then they did fucking Triple H versus Booker T, but better. It was... Mm, and uh, Orange Cassidy versus Chris Jericho. It was okay. I'm yeah. in. I'm in the camp that liked the first one better. Either either one's good. I think it's very much that feud needs to be over now that everybody understands. All right, Orange Cassidy's character is he's an anime character who doesn't give a shit until you fucking punch him, and then he goes like. Guess I have to. Yeah. So it's supposed to have wrapped up on the dynamite the night we're recording this, but have you been watching any of the women's tag tournament on YouTube? No, I need to. It's been okay. Uh, Team TJ is uh, it was surprisingly good. They gel really well together. Um, Diamante and Ivelisse, I love how they kind of immediately dropped their feud and were just like, no, we're both Puerto Rican, we're doing this for Puerto Rico. No, that... I think one of them's Cuban. Hmm. I might be misremembering something there. Whatever. Um, but yeah, they're good. Uh, it's very clearly just to put over Brandy and Allie. And uh, also, I love that Brandy's been teasing a heel turn again, and I can't wait to hear fucking Wrestle Talk go on and on about how it came out of nowhere and it makes no sense because they don't fucking watch anything but Dynamite. <sighs> Ollie Davis, come at me, bro. Come at me. This is CM Punk. This is JDF yelling at CM Punk. All right. Uh, so we want to go on to weekly vibes now. Yeah. All right. Cool, Chris. You go first. Um. So I've been listening, watching. It's a weird kind of product. Uh, it's a wheel play D and D podcast. Oh dear. Called Dimension Twenty. I'm listening. Where it's. Basically a John Hughes movie starring elves, goblins, and gremlins. And Oh, this thing. Orcs. This is that thing you were telling me about. Yeah. It's really good. All right. Um, it, it's called... It, basically, Dimension 20 is a set of D&D podcasts that every season they do like a different setting and different characters and everything. So the first one is Fantasy High. So they're all high schoolers going to adventuring school. And you get weird shit such as the headmaster basically being Dumbledore. But instead of saying sage advice, it's like saying, Heroes go around killing anybody and everybody because we can. Fuck them. Sounds odd. Yeah. And it's a very modern, like coming of age story. Like that's how the players did it. Like one of a, one of the characters is basically a Jesus camp kind of character. She went to like church camps, and then throughout the story, she realizes, oh wait a second, my parents are in the uh, the equivalent of like a fantasy KKK, 
oh no. Also, the character starts realizing she's a lesbian, and it's like, oh no. And she realizes she doesn't like the god she's been worshipping all her, her whole life, and she's like, oh my god, and she goes down a downward spiral of a, trying to find herself. Mm. Like, she gets a, and, and, like, she changes her book that she uses to cast her cleric stuff to a book of world religions. So whenever she does a certain spell, a bunch of philosophers pop up. So the DM, every time that spell is used, just quotes a philosopher and goes like, and he punches the ghost. Also, like, there, like it's a bunch of fun stuff. There's also, like, anarcho-socialist gnomes. No, they're hobbits. Because okay. after one fight, they almost run into a family of, like, halflings. Because that's the that's the non copyright version of Hobbit, uh, uh, on the road. And when they're done with the battle, they run back into them and they give them a ride to the ice cream shop. And as they're all eating ice cream, they're talking about their plan, trying to figure out how to solve the mystery. And then all of a sudden, the dad po- speaks up and goes like, "Hey, it's, you know." And they realize, "Oh shit, we've been saying all of this in front of a family of people we don't know." <laughs> And then he goes like, yeah, but, uh, and like, cause one of the characters going like, we need to go to the police. My mom's a police officer. She's good. She's cool. And, and the dad, no, and the dad Hobbit basically goes, yeah, but you know, the thing about police, they don't really enforce the laws for everybody. They enforce the laws for a select minority of people who want to keep and control power. And all the people at the table are going like, what the, what? And he goes, like, you you know what you could do? You could always make an anonymous call to a place. And when the policeman comes there, you bag him and tag him. And eventually, like, all the characters get arrested. And they're sitting in jail. And then the dad hobbit comes up and goes, like, hey, guys, I'm here to break you out of jail. Let's cook some bacon. And he just starts throwing Molotov cocktails. It's great. That sounds pretty nice. Yeah, yeah. And, but like every character has like a cool like through line throughout the story of a weird relationship with their parents. Like one realizes, oh wait a second, who I thought my dad was isn't my dad. My dad is actually a demon from hell, and I am now a a, a tiefling. When she thought she was an elf, so her whole life is weird. There's a half orc who is adopted and raised by gnomes. So, like, he's a barbarian, but they don't know how to fucking deal with barbarians. So, like, they're telling them, when you get angry, sing a song, because they're trying to understand them without knowing what he needs. Then you have uh, an elf girl who is the daughter of diplomats who are constantly disappointed in her, just because she didn't get into the high prestigious school. And it's very much like she almost dies after a battle. And when she's being driven home, her dad goes, I'm disappointed in you. You went to the tension. And she's just like, that's what he, that's what he cares about. Fuck him. That's hmm. her character arc. Uh, one dude's uh, dad is kind of, 
for lack of a better way of descri- describing it, he's trying to live vicariously through his son. He's going like, all right, you got to go be the football captain. You got to, because I believe in you. You're, you're great. You're, you're just like me. And he eventually comes to the realization. So you're not just like me. You're better than me. You're a sequel. You're going to be better. You're going to be great. Uh, and then I already talked about the one Chris, uh, the one religious girl whose parents are the KKK and her relationship with that. And then you have uh, the one dude whose mom's a cop and realizing that his dead dad was uh, actually a super secret spy. And he doesn't have to be totally sad about him dying because he died doing something cool and helping people. Hmm. And it's all about like finding family and making uh, making your own parents. And a sad, sad middle-aged elf who really likes yogurt. Man, I gotta figure out how to make some parents. We'll be each other's parents. I hope not. <laughs> I'm already that's doing some... that on one side of this, and I don't want you to be in control of any part of my life. That's some weird time travel shit right there, dude. Oh. I put a whole other level on it that I don't want. <laughs> Yeah, holy fuck. Um, so can I go next? Yeah. Does anybody mind if I actually go second this time? Go for it. All right. Okay. So uh, I'm not talking about media this week. I'm pulling a Cody uh, from last time because fucking holy shit, dude. I apologize to anyone who was upset there was no episode last week. Uh, it's entirely my fault. Because um, five years ago, when I was building my current computer, I decided to cheapen out and not put a wireless card in it. Uh, I figured, well, the uh, the router's in my room anyway, so I can just hook up with an Ethernet connection, and it'll probably be stronger that way anyway, so it'll be fine. Five years later, I'm still fucking doing that, and what does that Ethernet cable do for me? Um, apparently... The, the fucking router is the only thing in this room that isn't plugged into a surge protector and big lightning storm while I'm asleep Friday night fries my fucking motherboard. So I must have turned my computer on and off five times, just confused as to why there was nothing coming up on my monitors because all the lights and fans were coming on, but I was getting no response from anything. It was really weird. I checked a bunch of connections and everything. I kind of like flipped out what the heck is going on here. And finally, it was just like, okay, I got to call a repair shop. I'm broke as fuck right now, but I got to call a repair shop. Um, So after calling about five different places that said like, yeah, no, we're full up for the weekend. ton of people just dropped off their machines because this was like late Saturday afternoon when I figured it out. Um, And finally... Uh, I get to a place which I'm going to say the name of because if you guys uh, live in the South Carolina area and ever have computer trouble, please do me a favor and contact Double Dragon Computer Repair. Uh, It's one dude operating out of his house, but he's super nice, super professional, and he clearly does it as a side gig while being a stay-at-home dad. And he was super fucking nice to me. He was like, oh, uh, yeah, I don't necessarily know what's wrong but why don't you just bring it right over and i'll take a look at it um and this was at like five o'clock on a saturday so um i drove about an hour to get to him actually but um 
he he took a look at it, called me Sunday, and was like, yeah, the motherboard's completely fried. I tried replacing everything but the motherboard, and I don't have your motherboard in, so I'm guessing that's what the problem is. I'm going to order one. It'll be like three days, and uh, I'll get it put right in, and you can just come pick it up. It's going to be this much, and... It was a bit pricey, but honestly, like to get my computer back, it it was fine. And it would have been, and it was a third of the price I would have had to pay to get a new computer too. So I wasn't too pissed off about it. Um, and during this time, while this was going on, uh, I also um got in a bit of an argument on Monday or Tuesday with a coworker. And uh, then there was a policy change that really ticked me off. And I was basically like, you know what? I'm fucking done with this place. I'm getting the hell out of here because uh, the warehouse right next to us has been trying to poach me for a month and a half. I just pronounced poach really weird there, but they've been trying to poach me for a month and a half. Why don't I see if they're actually serious? So I put in an application, did the whole interview nine yards. And they were immediately like, yeah, we want to hire you. We can hire you. How soon can you start? And I was like, well, let me figure out if, uh, well, that depends. Do you want me to just bail out of my current job or do you want me to stay in good standing with them because they're right next to us? And they were like, well, let us check with corporate because we'd actually we'd want to put you on the account for that place because uh, we get deliveries from this other warehouse sometimes. Um and so they did that and they were like, yeah, you'd have to be in a good standing. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I have to give two weeks then. So uh, then I come in this, uh, this, what was it, Wednesday or Tuesday? And there was another huge policy change that basically fucked up the entire way we uh, deal with stuff in the warehouse. And there's a bunch of new orders backed up and just sitting on pallets on the floor instead of being put up in the racks because the point of this policy change was to prioritize just getting the day's orders out over everything else. So the warehouse looks like shit right now, or at least it did when I left on Friday. Apparently one of the assistant managers is going to go in tomorrow and try and clean it all up, but I doubt he'll be able to get the whole thing done. Um, and so on Friday, I gave my two weeks notice and I basically said, uh, in that, that like, yeah, it's been nice. I've appreciated working here. It's been a pretty good opportunity for me. I've learned a lot, but y'all need to stop fucking switching people out and switching the way we do things because I can't deal with that shit. I'm out of here. Um, and this this new job does look pretty exciting uh, because it's basically the same kind of thing, but it's much of a much more of a narrower focus. I'm not working with like every kind of flooring material. It's literally just tile and tile setting material, and I'm not doing a ton of receiving and whatnot. I'm pretty much just going to be getting orders out to people, uh, not even really having to figure out what they are because. Instead of it being like a 20 person staff uh, at the location, it's a four to five person staff. It's me and one other guy in the warehouse, two people in the showroom floor, and then a sales representative who goes out to houses and things like that. And we're, it's pretty much just going to be me in the warehouse all day with this other guy who was my contact at this warehouse and is a pretty cool guy. I get along with him pretty well. Um, 
we're going to just be grabbing orders of tile and getting them out to people all the time. And we're not going to have to get like these specific orders like we do at my current job. It'll be pulling from stock pallets and putting orders together. Um, so it'll be a little simpler, but a little more labor intensive. And also, instead of getting paid bi-weekly, I will be getting paid weekly. And I will be making two more dollars an hour that I do at my current job. I'll be coming in a half hour later than I do at my current job. The benefits are going to be a thousand dollars more on the health insurance than I was making at my current job. And I'm getting a 401k right after my 90 days is up. Sounds like you've busted out of there. Yeah. And I mean, like, I did not hate my current job, but it gets very frustrating at times like it did this week. Um, Really, the only thing I'm going to miss about it is just a couple of the guys who I really enjoyed working with there. I really enjoyed getting to know them. But also because of the nature of this new job I'm going to, I'm still going to see them on a fairly regular basis. So it's not like... I'm totally excising these people from my life. It's just I'm holding them at a distance, a social distance, if you will, so that I can fucking tolerate them. Sounds like it all worked out. Mm -hmm. That's really dope, man. Like, damn. Solid. Solid, solid. It was it was a good time. And also just because I didn't have a computer for a few days. I completely rethought my production schedule into a way that's actually probably going to end up being way more productive for me. Like my releases are going to be a little weirder looking to people and I'm definitely not going to be as keyed into the algorithm as I have been, but there's going to be less stress and it's probably also going to make my product come out better. So I'm cool with it. Because really, the only thing that I view as needing to come out on time every week that I'm currently a part of is the content for this channel. And like, yeah, we fucked that up this week, but we usually don't. Because this is a pretty simple thing to record and edit and upload. Until I fuck it up. Every day. Listen, buddy. Listen, buddy. Don't. Please. I need to be able to do weird shit on my own channel. I need this to be my meal ticket. I need this, which has a like ticket of 130 subscribers. Yeah, whereas I just went over uh, to 1,100 subscribers on my main channel, and yet nobody wants to give me money on Patreon. But I'm I'm not bitching. I'm not bitching. I just YouTube is frustrating people, but. We're we're working through it. We're managing through it. Hey, Cody, what have you been working through and managing through and vibing on this week? Well, I found my other half. Oh, shit. Um, You got married? Yeah, I got married. Um, (laughs) So I was trying to see if there was any Mega Constructs Halo Infinite figures in at Target uh, this past weekend. And there was not, but actually that was this past Monday or whatever. Um, but I noticed I saw something in the hex bug section, which is right next to the mega construct section. And I read the like I saw that it was like some sort of blind something, like a blind box, blind bag, whatever. But I read the title, and I I, I like I think I literally said to Chris, I'm like, let me look this up 
I did say this to Chris because he said, like, well, while you do that, I'm going to go to the bathroom. And I was like, let me look this up because I'm probably about to buy into this. It was <laughs> called Junk Bots. And I'm like, man, that's if there's one thing that I like and make, it's that. Yeah. <laughs> Literally that. Um, that's not like my favorite thing to make, but it's just something that's so easy, so fun. And like, that shit's just dope. And I'm like, all right, so what is this? What What could this be? And I pulled up a picture, and I'm like, oh, is this? Is it just a figure? And what it is, is like, you literally, it's either a uh, industrial dumpster, a regular dumpster, or a regular trash bin. Um, the trash bin's a single figure, the dumpster's two figures, and a power module or some sort of module because the way this line works is it has three different types of things it's got a a movement module a vibration module or it's got a a gear module a vibration module and a light module or an energy module which essentially equates to one thing is a motor that runs stuff so like god i'm trying to figure out the proper way to so it's literal trash. You open up, you open the thing up, and it's literal trash. And um, there's like fake little cereal boxes. And by the way, it's all pretty much six inch scale trash, which is dude. Awesome. It's, it's a, awesome, dude. It's a figure photography accessory mine. Did you catch up? I I posted. I posted. I'm looking on at Instagram. Yeah, I'm looking at both your uh, your Instagram pictures and some Amazon listings right now, and these things look sick as fuck. Yeah, so like, um, Hexbug makes good stuff, you know. Um, that doesn't give you instructions, which I personally don't feel bad about. It gives you a very detailed isometric drawing, front and back, of the characters you get the parts to make. And it can sometimes be a little confusing to uh, figure out what goes where. But also, it's kind of not necessarily about that because they give you extra parts. So, I bought the $20 pack because like, I was confident. I bought the $20 pack because I was confident. So, it's like four characters are $20. The two pack is 10 and the one pack is 5 So, it's $5 a character. Um and I did not feel, I, dude. I've, I, it's, I've been getting some bangers in the mail and stuff recently. But like, I am very happy, just because like it's like, it's a story in a box or whatever. You know, it's awesome. Yeah, these are. Well, this is sick. It, it's so creative, and like I already know, like Wave One's called Alley, because it's like Alley alien stuff. You know, like essentially, like aliens came down and like brought all these random pieces of junk to life yeah and like dude the way like the lights plug into things and like each core body like there's a mailbox core body and all types of other things each of them do does something different with the lights and the different types of motors um because i got a wheel one and it just drives it you know it just drives two wheels and it could drive around and that was the funny like uh terminator video i made Mm. Um, but the other ones just do other crazy things. And like, I, I got my mind blown with one of them cause I stuck the motor on the back of it and put a piece on it and it doesn't do a full rotation. It goes left to right back and forth. 
So I'm like, dude, that means there's the proper gearing inside this little tiny little toy um, to translate a regular rotational thing into just left to right. I don't understand that fully. I know it's not super like hard, but it's still awesome because this piece also still has the light up feature that you can plug into it. Like, and you could just build them up as much as you want. I made like it took me two seconds to make like a really cool computer monitor face monster. So like, if I get a double of anything, I'm like, whoops, two computer monitor. Like, it's literally not bad. Like kind of, kind of amazing. And like I underestimated how much I'd love like being able to have my six inch action figures hold like a little Game Boy or a keytar, dude. And like there's other stuff. There's like brooms and stuff. Like not everything is a hundred percent to scale because there's a skateboard that's eensy weensy bit over there. But then there's also shoes that could definitely work. I mean, it's all relatively close to six inch scale. It's got to be intentional because, like, damn, if some of that stuff's not like right there, you know. It's amazing because, like, this is this is tailor made for collectors in a way, but also I look at the creativity of this line, and this is one of those things where we're some of us are going to be really into it. So uh, some people are probably going to completely ignore it, but in like another 15 years this is going to be a line people are really nostalgic for and like i th this toy line literally feels like so much like i'm gonna like go to like hexbug corp and like they're like all right the guy who made this is back there i'm gonna open the door and it's just gonna be me and i'm like fuck like yeah i'm you from the future i came back to steal the money, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like Modular Toy Company coming 2020, 2020, 2020, 2020. God, dude, that's... I'm not doing that math. I'm putting, but, I'm putting my brain in a computer. I don't know about you guys. But yeah, that is why I said I almost drove to Target, by the way. Mm, I'm going for more of those. I'm monkey braining this shit. <laughs> he's like, he's this dude's like, fuck Cobra Island. I want more trash bots. No, because like... Dude, there's like so many. There's so many cool characters. Let me um let me pull up just just to indulge just a teensy bit more. Let me pull up the uh character list. We got a minute. We're only an hour in. Oh nice. Uh, let me slap it up in uh Discord then. Hashtag Jin the Rao. God dude, I love these so much. Whoa, that's a way bigger roster than I thought it had. Well, like, there are some repeating things where, like, they use the core bodies. Well, yeah, but, like, what toy line doesn't have that? I know, but, like, you zoom in here and, like, dude, like, look how good some of these are. They're all good. Tumbleweed is literally a washer. It's like a washing machine that, like, has a cowboy hat. I oh love that. But see, the thing is, the reason why it's called Tumbleweed is I realized the gimmick is not meant for the motor thing. It's meant for the hex bug vibrating thing. Mm. And some of these characters really like Ollie. He has a skateboard with wheels so he could actually just like zoom around and stuff like that. Um, there's a character called Dina, which is a velociraptor made out of a uh, alligator skin 
uh, suitcase. Um, and that character's core feature is the spikes go back and forth. There's a guy named Sage who looks like a wizard. Like, what? what is this? Where did this come from? I love everything about Somebody's it. dopey imagination. God, man, I've never seen, I've literally never seen something on the toil that was just like, this is for you. This is really one of those like galaxy brain moments that makes you realize, oh, I gotta, I gotta really pay attention to everything in the toy aisle because if somebody, if you had shown me this and not told me that you got it at Target, I would think that like this is an independent toy line that you can only get on somebody's website that runs through PayPal. Honestly, and like the hand feel, like they're chunky PVC, um. And, like, man, I, I hope, like, it's going to be successful. I mean, there's no way kids aren't going to be. I tried to actually do a review on this. I'm going to try to buy some. I guess I have to buy it through Target Online to do an official review or something. Because I can't just, like, blurt a Google review out there. Oh, like, you mean on the... Okay, I thought you'd been on yeah. YouTube. I was like, what are you, you going to do an unboxing? Not like that. And, by the way, that's what... Chris wanted me to film my unboxing and everything like that. And I tried to... But there was a lot of noise in the house, and I couldn't really mitigate it. And I also could not fucking wait. I was hey, like, oh, time, I could wait. but Hey, 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 buddy, buddy. Next time, do it at a point when there's low noise if you can help it. And even if you can't, come to me. I got a way to get rid of background noise and audio. Okay. I was literally just like monkey brain, though, because like I was looking up pictures while me and Chris were eating, and I'm like... <laughs> Oh, I gotta open this, dude. I gotta know. Like, what, what do I got, man? Because, <laughs> like, you open it and it's literally garbage. It, it, I like it looks so much like garbage. I love it because, like, do, and like, what's funny <laughs> is some of the reviews on like Google are just like literal trash. This is garbage, and I'm like, hey, you're right. Like, um, but some I people... wonder if that's like idiot parents that don't know how to assemble the toy. No, it is. They're all complaining about buying into kayfabe. Like it, it's 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 adults who are complaining that it's a little too tiny. Some things are kind of hard, like because some of the ball joints are kind of hard to like pop in. Mm. Um, but I haven't seen a problem that's like because like um you should, you should just comment on all those reviews. Get good. Yeah, because like the character named Finn, he's one of the ones I got, and he mm. literally just has like a dopey little like pincher claw, and he's got. A slipper and a flipper for feet with like a computer monitor for a head and a mailbox for a chest. And he also has a third arm on his back, which is all kinds of shit that I love. But like, he's not one of the characters that's like wonkily shaped. So he's got like actual articulation because everything's ball joints. Things have surprisingly good articulation. I made something with like a super long. Did I take a picture of it, dude? I think I took a picture of it and never posted it anywhere. Hang on, let me find out. Cause that, dude, don't tell me I didn't. Oh no, I did. Hang on. I will find this and then we will. I will wrap up my splooge of this stuff shortly. All right. But I had like four or five pieces, dude. Don't tell me I didn't take a picture of this. Oh, I could literally remake it, but I don't think I did. I think uh, my 
camera didn't snap the picture. Um. Yeah, I'm not seeing it anywhere. I don't know, whatever. Um, it was just like uh, I used a couple of the cores to make a um body and just like a character. I realized I could also find something on Twitter because I did see that somewhere. Um, just it takes no time at all just to immediately get like, oh. I can make whatever I want, and you really can. Like, you really can. If uh, if anyone's listening to this and they want something new and interesting, because I'm always out there trying to buy weird stuff. Dude, I know. Look at that. The it's eyes are lighting sick. up. sick. And, like, it's articulated. Like, oh. oh. It looks like fucking, oh, what's his name? What's his name? The little robot dude from the live-action movie in the 80s. Johnny Five. Yeah, he looks like Johnny Five hit the gym. Yeah, like... It seems no, it crazy. reminds me of Cubot. Cubics. Cubics. Ooh, slut. Fuck off. Robots for everyone. Dude, you know what does? Do you know how long it's been since I watched that Korean-ass show? What, dude, are you telling me you don't regularly keep track of things posted on eBay for Cubics for everyone? Or robots for everyone? <laughs> you're telling me you're not severely obsessed with anything related to robots and something brand new robot-related has fallen into your lap? What are you, not me, you fool? <laughs> I am a fool. I'm a fool for you. So if you if you got five bucks, go and buy the little trash can. If you got ten bucks... Buy the big trash can. And if you got $20, buy the dumpster. If anyone's watching this out of context, I apologize. But that's it. That's my vibe. It's going to be my vibe for the rest of my life, honestly. But that's my vibe. Until they stop making them. Shut your whore ass up. <laughs> well that's fucking sick dog it sounds like even though we didn't get to make a podcast last week we've had a pretty dope two weeks and i hope we continue having some dope weeks because we've got we've got some good stuff coming up for y'all we are headed into the final quarter of 2020 and i know it's been a rough year but i think content wise we're going to finish out this year very strong and hopefully we'll be able to tell you about some of those reasons very soon. But until then, Chris, why don't you tell people who you are and where they can find your content? Hi, I'm Chris. You can call me Boingo Rider. You can also call me Chris. <laughs> can I can I call you Boingo? Yes. Can I call you Rider? Sure. Can I call you Rider with a Y? I am not going to dress up like Matt Cardona for you. Damn it. <laughs> Okay, continue. Uh, I make YouTube video essay editorial things uh, where I give dumb thoughts about dumb things in fun ways. Um, if you want to watch any of those videos, you can go to my YouTube channel, uh, Boingo Writer. And if you want, you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Boingo underscore writer. And as always, you can join my Discord server. A link to that's in the description. We hang out. We post shit. Uh, aesthetic is blowing up right now where we just post shit that we think looks cool. Dope ass chat. A lot of it's just me posting vaporwave shit. 
Uh, Cody, tell everyone who you are and where they can find your content. I may not know who I am yet, but my social media stuff is never underscore robot on Instagram, Snoke on 83 on almost everything else. And if you want to get down on my Twitch, it's Snoke on 83, like I just said. Whoopsie daisy. <laughs> uh, How dare you? Find me and grind me. All right, everybody. I am your modular king of the content ring. I'm the Vacuuminator. I make toy reviews and other interesting content with a storyline that seems to never fucking die being woven all throughout it. Um, you can find those videos at youtube.com slash the vacuuminator. That is spelled T-H-E-V-A-C-U-U-M-I-N-A-T-O-R. My social media is at the vacuuminator on Twitter and Instagram, where I give my thoughts on things, post my content, and do some amateurish but still pretty good figure photography. So you may want to check that shit out. And hey, you know what else you may want to check out? More of modular media, because you listened all the way to the end of this podcast so i imagine you have to have liked it at least a little bit so why don't you go ahead and hit that subscribe button ring the bell in order to enable notifications and get every episode of the podcast as it comes out give us a like to help us out in the youtube algorithm and comment with your own thoughts on the topics we discussed this week and uh yeah that's pretty much everything so we'll see you next week on analytical fanboys when we'll be discussing galaxy quest Live long and fuck yourself. Whoa. Whoa. Live fucking long yourself. Whoa. Holy shit. I thought this was a kid's zone. I'm getting out of here now.